0: The Nordic countries did very well during the modern era. Their secret? An approach to education called Bildung. Metamodernity is a possible future where we take the best from the past and the present, locally and globally, and turn it into a meaningful future for all. My name is Lena Rachel Anderson. Welcome to Nordic Metamodern. I have invited a very prominent Dane this time, Uffe Elbeck. Um, Welcome, Uffe.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Uffe has started a very unique education. He's also started a political party. The education is the Chaos Pilots in Aarhus, which is the second largest city in Denmark. And the alternative is the political party. And you have been in parliament for, or at least the party has been there for six, seven, eight years by now, I think. So, Uffe, why don't you uh, tell us who you are and a little bit about your background. Uh, and then we'll dig into what it is that you're doing and why I've invited you here today. Yes,
2: uh, and thank you for inviting me. Um, actually, I, I'm uh, in a very interesting uh, place in my life right now because uh, we have an upcoming election here in Denmark. Uh, just in a few weeks, I think the Prime Minister will call for election. And I've decided not to run from my seat, uh, so I, this is actually, in a way, the, not the end station, because I think that a lot of interesting things will happen after that, but but uh, I'm leaving uh, the Danish parliament after nearly 20 years as an elected a politician. First in uh, Aarhus, which is the uh, second city uh, in Denmark. And uh, since uh, 2011, uh, I've been a member of the Danish parliament. But I don't see myself as a traditional politician. Uh, before I went into politics, uh, I was a culture entrepreneur uh, and has started a youth organization called the Frontrunners in Aarhus. And after that, uh, I founded together with some, in my mind brilliant uh, people, uh, the entrepreneurial education, they're called the CARES pilots. I've also been uh, the CEO of the World Outgames, which is an international global LGBT organization and event uh, which took place here in Copenhagen in 2009. On top of all of that, uh, yeah, I've been a member of the City Council in Aarhus, uh, I've been Minister for Culture. Uh, I've started a new political green party in Denmark, so I've been around. Uh, so I think I've done my shit, to be uh, say, it very honest. Uh, and uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to my new chapter as just
1: me. Which, which is
0: probably going to be a, a rather exciting chapter as well, uh, for what I know about you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the reason why I... See. I <laughs> So I've, I've invited you very much because I've, I've tended to disagree with a lot of the stuff that, that you've been involved in and that you have started. I've been very sort of, um, uh, doubting about whether, uh, it would work or not. And including the political party, the, uh, the alternative. And so we'll, we'll get into that in a, in a moment, but. What I would like to do first to say how I relate to the title, uh, Nordic Metamodern and the reason why I invited you because the Nordic countries have a lot of attention from the rest of the globe, and you've also gotten a lot of attention from the rest of the globe with both the Chaos pilots and the uh, the alternative. I meet people from many places who who ask me about, so this alternative, what do you think of it, Lena? And I'm like, hmm, I don't really know because I, I think it's great, but I also have these questions about it. Um, so there's a lot of, of good stuff in our history, and that's the Nordic part, because we did well uh, in the Nordic countries for the past 150-200 years. Um, but then there's the, the meta modern part, the future part, and we're we're in a transition to something new that we don't know what it's going to be like, and we better shape it in a in a good way so that it becomes a good future. And you are one of the people who have a lot of visions for the future and have actually managed to bring these visions into life and create uh, the front runners. Yes, also that uh, the uh, chaos pilots and a political party that has inspired people in other parts of the world um so I think you you really you know match the the title of and the intentions with this video channel uh, and I also decided to call this episode rethinking education and politics in Denmark because you've done uh both things so uh, so that is why I would like to um to invite you but I would also like and that's uh, to go back a little bit further back in your history because one of the things that I only realized you, about you recently um, is that you actually grew up in one of these folk high schools uh, of which I have written so much, not necessarily the folk high school where you grew up, but, uh, but this whole folk high school concept in Denmark that has shaped our country. And that kind of opened uh, a door to for me to to understanding where you're coming from. So maybe maybe you could share a little bit of that history with us.
2: At last, you understand who I am. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, uh, yes. I, I I was born on one of these uh, folk high schools uh, in, in Denmark. Ui, high school as it's called in, in Danish, and uh, so uh, at my childhood and uh, as a teenager. I grew up in this uh, environment Uh, and to understand the Danish culture and even the Scandinavian culture, you have to understand the folk high schools because in my opinion, it's like the secret DNA code of the, of the Danish way of being uh, and how to understand why we have the society as we have today. And what, what is it that is so uh, unique uh, compared to a lot of other educational initiatives uh, around the world. I I, I think that, the, oh yeah, that's the reason why I really like the Fogart schools is that uh, there's no exams. Uh, it's, it's a very special period of uh, young people's uh, life uh, when they're around 18, 19, 20 years old, uh, 21 years old here in Denmark. They have the opportunity to attend uh, a period of uh, up to three months, maybe even uh, four months, uh, half a year, uh, together with other young people. And they, uh, the main focus is actually the living dialogue and the curiosity about both our historical past, but also uh, what is uh, what kind of future uh, are approaching. Um, and... Uh, it's a more than 150 year old uh, educational tradition here in Denmark. And it it started out uh, as a, a group of people, uh, well meaning uh, people uh, in Jotland, um who thought at that time Denmark went through a, a transformation from being an agriculture uh, country to an uh, industrial based. Uh, uh, country, and there was a lot of uh, young people in the countryside uh, uh, who, in a way, had a lot of time during the winter uh, 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 that they spare time in the winter season that they could uh, maybe uh, use in the, in the, in a setting with together with other young people uh, to yeah to be uh, invited. Uh, public enlightened, and um, maybe it sounds totally fluffy for people outside Denmark to understand what, what, what is this is all about, but, but what you should imagine is a, a school uh, that where people uh, lived during uh, 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 this uh, period, and uh, both lived and studied there together, and... Um,
0: Really expanded their mind and their, under- their understanding of the world.
2: Yeah, exactly. And uh, and and compared to m- most other uh, educational institutions uh, we know, there was no exams. This is was uh, the main purpose was to get public enlightenment and uh, and to try together with each other figure out how do we understand the world and the consequence of that was that when you as a young person arrived to these schools, maybe you had a very fixed picture about how your future should look like, but because of this very inspiring environment, suddenly they saw all kinds of new possibilities. So it changed uh, people's mindset and they, it changed uh, people's direction.
1: And on top of that, it was a big um it sounds uh, uh not
2: the right way to say a big dating uh <laughs> dating show, but 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 the people. Well, that would came, be one.
0: Of, I mean, what what's wrong with that?
2: No, exactly. But but people came from all parts of of uh, of Denmark and uh, spent three months together uh, on these schools, and uh, it, it really uh, created a highly dynamic social mobility because suddenly. Uh, young people from different parts of the, uh, our country who normally wouldn't have met, suddenly met each other. And out of that, of course, somebody fell in love and uh, moved from one part of the Denmark to the other part of Denmark. So it, it created a, it was a really a, a very dynamic institution, both when it comes to, to education but also to social mobility and uh, in a way it took Denmark to the level where we are now in my opinion.
0: I, I, I mean I, you're absolutely right in my opinion because I, I, <laughs> I dug into this and it's, it's one of the similarities that I do see between uh, the um, uh, chaos pilots and the folk high schools is the you get a lot I don't know about the dating <laughs> getting a, a lot of young <laughs> people in there and allowing them to explore uh, what they're interested in, what they're really, you know, caring about, and and then creating a lot of energy. I've I've taught a couple of times. i have been a guest speaker at the Chaos Pilots in in Aarhus. and that was before I researched and wrote the book The Nordic Secret about the folk high schools. And what I what I sensed from these young people was this energy and this enthusiasm and the hope and the I want to go out and make a difference, which I guess was also what you wanted to create with the Chaos Pilots. And one of the sources that I read uh, studying the history of the folk high schools was a Norwegian book from, I think, 1928 about a Norwegian pastor who had been to a folk high school when he was young. And he had met all these young people in Denmark who were, you know, full of hope and energy and sparkles in their eyes. And they had all these dreams and hopes and want to go out and change the world or Denmark. Uh, through starting their own farm and doing it better than their parents had done, and I, I kind of made that connection to, um, to the, uh, to the chaos pilots when I learned that you, uh, had your background in the folk high schools because I, I saw some of the same things, but I also saw, uh, the thing that I, that has sort of bothered me about the, uh, Denmark and the folk high schools and was what was the thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way with the chaos pilots. Which is, and I'm going to take a, a a naughty word into my mouth, which is the amateurism, um, the uh, anything goes, the uh, whatever you want to do, you can do, and sometimes it's like, yeah, but shouldn't you learn, you know, a little bit of math first, or um, or or some of the uh, you know skills that that other people have built up over the years before you you uh, throw yourself out into it. So um, so that that was a long question, but it was a question.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't know how much actually you know about the chaos pilots but for for the audience who's uh, uh listening to this uh, dialogue we have it's a three year long education in 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 august and uh, uh, the focus is on uh, leadership and uh, organization development and uh, of course entrepreneurship and uh, the what is In my opinion is very unique about the education is the understanding that professional development and personal development goes hand in hand most uh, academic institutions as i've been uh, involved in uh, has of course a strong focus on on what i would the term i would use is uh, professional qualification Uh, means that uh, if you attend uh, uh, education for nurses or teachers or <laughs> as a policeman or an architect or engineer. Uh, of course, there are, uh, uh, you, you have to, of course, to stand on uh, some solid uh, uh, professional qualifications about uh, the skills needed in the role you are educating yourself to, uh, which is also the case uh, at the CARES Pilots uh because our our focus and of course I haven't been the principal for many years now so I can't say exactly how the program looks uh, today but when I I was the principal our professional qualification focus was on the, on the project design uh, process design and business design uh, but what we learned but also what our vision was that and our understanding was that uh, professional qualification is not uh, enough today. You have also have to train uh, some more broader uh, competence, as we called it. So we made a very distinct uh, difference between professional qualification and broader social competence. And um, we identified uh, uh, four uh, competence areas uh, that uh, we trained our our students uh, in, one was meaning competence. So how good are you to actually to create meaning uh, around uh, yourself and your work? And that's especially uh, important if you want to train yourself in leadership skills, because if you as a leader can't uh, uh, describe the meaning to the people you are working together with, then their motivation, of course, goes down. So if you, if you can't understand the meaning, your motivation goes down. Uh, then uh, the second competence area was what we call at that time, relationship competence, the way your skills and how to work together with the people you are on your, uh, on the team with, uh, how to communicate clear, how to solve conflicts, uh, how to, Create sustainable uh, relationship uh, in the organization you're part of the third um, uh, competence arena so to speak, was uh, change uh, competence. So how do you react when the world is changing uh, and the way you saw uh, the world was then it is actually something else how 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 do you deal with complexity uh, etc. The last um, uh, competence uh, area uh, was action competence. So how how could you go from how good are you to go from idea to reality? And that's of course the whole stuff around uh, entrepreneurship and uh, and uh, organizing. So to sum it up in a very black and white way, you could say that normally you get hired by your uh, professional qualifications so from which school are you educated in which uh, topic are you educated etc but you're fired by a lack of uh uh, for uh, competence areas so if if you can't create meaning around yourself if you can't be a good colleague if you can't change with uh, uh, what is happening in the world and if you can't uh, uh, produce uh, visual solid results, it doesn't work. So, so the, this very, uh, in, my, in my opinion, uh, very motivating learning environment as the CASE pilot program is. Uh, we we ha- really understand this complexity or, or or dilemma or dynamic between
1: professional. Um, uh competence and personal competence uh, yeah
2: professional qualification and personal competence and uh that uh, professional development and personal development in my opinion goes hand in hand that was a very long uh, description but the uh, uh, but uh, I can just say that check out the website the cashpi website and then you get a much better picture of
1: what is
0: happening right now. Right. Um, your background is as a social worker, or at least that was what yeah. you were uh, yeah. trained as, and you also uh, studied journalism. Um, and one of the things that I that I have always, whenever I heard you speak in, in public in, in Denmark, uh, you brought in all these fresh ideas and you came up with all these, you know, the chaos pilots, front runners, all these cool expressions and so forth. It, it has a it has a it has an appeal um there is this emotional connection to the way that you use words and i and i really like that but i but i never heard you refer to that professional background and i think that was also i mean that was part of of what got me doubting what what you were doing Mm -hmm. did you actually use that professional knowledge what would you learn in school or Mm -hmm. or did it just come out of you know your imagination and you happened to hit the right thing and uh I don't know. Maybe there have been attempts that we did not hear about. So the first, second, and uh, third attempt just disappeared, and then by the later attempts, uh, it ended up being something we heard about.
1: No, but but uh, what what uh, is interesting uh, in
2: my uh, fr- from my perspective about the cash pilot uh, is how this um, program actually. Uh, from where did this program actually uh, came from? Uh, normally when you start a new educational institution in Denmark, it grows out of an already existing uh, existing uh, academic environment. Uh, there's very, very few examples of, of new higher educational institutions who has been created uh, by the, yeah, from uh, its own purpose. And completely outside the traditional academic uh, environment, and that was the case with the chaos pilots. So Lena, when you said, "Hey, is this just a, a guy coming up with uh, some smart
1: uh,
2: uh, yeah taglines," and uh, suddenly uh, it's a higher educational institution in Denmark, I can tell you, no, <laughs> it, it it grew out, it grew out of a, more than ten years of uh, project uh, work, cultural project work in in uh, in Aarhus in Denmark, and you can't understand um, the
1: cash pilot uh, without understanding uh, from where did it actually
2: came and uh, how did it came. So so to understand the vitality and the cultural dynamics and also uh, the content. Uh, and the way we organized the education you, we had to go back to the frontrunners and uh, the frontrunners was an extremely entrepreneurial environment in Aarhus in, in Denmark in, in the beginning it was only one project by another but uh, around is uh, the end of the 80s uh, it, it, it was a kind of a network of different uh, project initiatives and the the umbrella was called the Front Runners. And the last big project I was involved in uh, was something called Next Stop Soviet Union. Uh, and uh, again, from uh, for most people, that's maybe an un- unknown uh, name and uh, unknown the project, but it was one of the most exciting and complex projects I had ever been involved in. And uh, if we have time for it, I hope that we have time for it. I'll, I'll just uh, tell the story. So, uh, so people really understand uh, from where, yeah, from what did the CAS fire grew out of? So I had to take you all back to the spring of 88. So where were you in 88? <laughs> uh, uh, I was uh, sitting uh, on the, uh, at the frontrunner's uh, small office in the backyard
1: in in Aarhus in, in Denmark. And then there was a, a, a knock on the door, uh, and I said, please come in. And in entered a very
2: beautiful young red-haired uh, woman, uh, and she looked at us. We were sitting three young men uh, around the table, and she looked at us, and, and we. she said with a very sharp Copenhagen accent, so well, what's up? <laughs> we said what <laughs> and uh, then she yeah, and of course we we asked her what what's, what are you up for <laughs> and and out of this uh, this uh, dialogue uh, uh, she uh, she described the project in Copenhagen uh, uh where a group of maybe 15 20 uh, young people in Copenhagen has, uh, got this completely out of this world uh, reality project that they wanted to invade Soviet Soviet Union uh, the next year in the fall of, of 89. And uh, you have to understand that uh, Gorbachev was just dead now, but uh, at that time he was just uh, the upcoming star uh, in the Communist Party in the Soviet Union. And uh, talk about Glasnost and, pre-
1: pre- pre- uh, uh, and what is it? Glasnost? Um. Yeah.
2: Whatever, but uh, he 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 uh, really wanted to change change the Soviet Union. But uh, but, um, Petrushka that was the name of of the word. Um, and uh, these uh, kids in Copenhagen had got this ambition that they wanted to send in uh, cross the border with more than two thousand young people, uh, and uh, move up
1: uh, to Moscow and then uh, organize a rock concert on the Red Square. Uh, in
2: front of Kremlin, just to take that ambition in. It's that, sound,
0: that does sound quite crazy. So, uh, so, so you were just the right guy to contact.
2: Uh, you, you, you still had the Berlin Wall. You had still had still had the iron curtain down uh, Europe, and uh, that project was uh, in, on a, in a lease of its own. So, so we we just had to say yes. Of course, the first thing we asked uh, uh, this woman was. Uh, are you allowed to do that? And she said, "No, no, but we'll figure a way. And then the second question was, do you have money for it? because this is gonna cost a lot of money. Just imagine to get two thousand young kids to to Moscow, where to stay, buses, security, etc, building up the stage on the red square. Uh, uh, security, lightning sounding, uh, get rock musicians uh, flying in from Copenhagen. Uh, It was an enormous project and in a way it sounded completely uh, mission impossible, uh, which in a way of course it was, but uh, we thought it was so uh, fascinating. So we accepted the task. And we worked for day and night in uh, the next one and a half year. And uh, in September '89, uh, we moved uh, uh, towards Moscow. Uh, big caravan up through Sweden and Finland and in into St. Petersburg and all the way to Moscow. And the other way around from Germany, Poland, and all the way up to Moscow. And a few weeks before, uh, the, before uh, the event had to take place, Uh, the city council in Moscow decided uh, to move the concert in front, from the West Square to uh, in front of the Moscow uh, University. But it hadn't happened. And in in a way, uh, seen now back, uh, we were part of what became the big, big transformation. Uh, We were a small part of what was happening in the Soviet Union, because one month later, the Berlin Wall came, uh, came down. Long story to come to the conclusion, when we arrived back uh, to August, we asked ourselves what kind of implications should we have had to organize an event like this? Because at the university, no one has uh, trained us to
1: make a contract with the KGB. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the university, no
2: one has trained us to make con- a conflict solving with the Russian mob. At the university, no one has trained us to, uh, to fundraise. Uh, uh, yeah, a couple of millions of Danish kohler that the, the project cost whatever, whatever. So we, we said to ourselves uh, where on the planet Earth does this that kind of education exist? And uh, we did a lot of research and we found pieces uh, uh, there and here, but uh, not the exact uh, concept that we wanted to create. And because it didn't exist, we said that we have to to create an education that that, uh, train young people to this uh, very complex uh, future that is uh, heading towards us. And give them the skills to figure out how to navigate through turbulence, economic turbulence, cultural turbulence, social turbulence, and uh, actually be able to land the plane safely on the other side, so to speak. So... The reason to go back to your question, Line, the, uh, the that we were so much in a way formed by and colored by our learning by doing uh, principle. And uh that has a huge impact on on the on on the program and the concept of the program, that uh if we uh have a, a more theoretical uh, session, then it's the practical session should be equal. So theory and practice should be equal, and uh, also there should be a balance between individual focus and team focus, and there should be a good balance between content and format, and a good balance between local understanding and global uh, understanding, etc. So. The reason why we were born out of this cultural, uh, US cultural environment and with a very practical approach and at the same time, a very ambitious approach, uh, the cash pilot uh, got the concept as it still has.
0: Was it a three-year education from the beginning or...?
2: The ambition was three years, but uh, the first team was only uh, I think two, two and a half years because we didn't have money to have a three-year program at that time. But uh, it's a three-year program today, and uh, and today it's part of the uh, old university.
0: Right. So it's, uh, I mean, so so can you apply to study there along with the other applications uh, after high school, or is it separate? And how is it funded today? Uh, you uh, get the same. Uh,
1: it's uh,
2: in 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 a way you could uh, yeah compare it with if you want to go to uh, into one of the other elite uh, educational institutions in Denmark like the film school or or the the theater school uh, the uh, dance program whatever uh, w- where a lot of people apply but only a few gets uh, to through the neat whole. Uh, that 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 that's the same with the pilots. That there's a very uh, uh, ambitious uh, intake process uh, where uh, people go through uh, different phases before uh, you either get in or not. Uh, so so there's um, before you even can uh, apply or uh, uh, you know not before you can apply, but part of the uh, application process is that. You, you have to fill out a, a lot of of, of questions uh, questionnaire and uh, on top of that actually also answer a concept paper uh out of that uh, the school invites around 100 120 uh, applicants uh, uh, and then there's a workshop over three days uh, where where people split up in smaller teams and get the uh, different kind of tasks and there's a personal deep personal interview and uh, the improvisation training etc etc to figure out uh, what kind of team would you like would, would we like to pick uh they pick around i think 30 students each year and um, and uh, so so it's not only by grades you get in uh, it's it's much more personal uh, and much more practical approach and uh, they try to uh, create the the team that has the from the start has a dynamic that we know that they will get into conflicts (laughs) so
0: (laughs) So they will be disagreeing for three years
2: yeah exactly because they they have to be their own material uh, how to uh, solve conflicts and how to make solutions and uh, decisions and uh, uh, create results. So, so the the content or or the dynamic of the team
1: is part of the uh, part of the program.
2: And
0: so, uh, a lot of young people actually already have a bachelor's degree or something like that before they start. Is is my impression? Or
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Have... yeah I think
2: uh, again. It's 15 years since I've been there working there, I have uh, my my daily life there, so uh, you have to check out the website to figure out if I'm <laughs> completely... <laughs>
0: well, we'll go to the website afterwards, no problem. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. But but Let's... but, uh, but, but uh, I think that, uh, first of all, again, the, you have to be at least 21 year before you apply, which means that uh, the, the program really attracts uh, older students, uh, so I think Maybe the medium age is around uh, 24 or 25 before uh, you get in. which also means that uh, a lot of, of the people that, uh, attending already has a bachelor degree before they enter.
0: So let's go to the alternative because that is that is the, the one thing that I I get you know I I keep getting questions about from people, and I I meet. Uh, people in, in Sweden, I've met people from Italy who who have either started a party like it or uh, something similar. Uh, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you started the party, because that was really the, the first thing that was very different and alternative. Um, and uh, it was one of the things where I also was a little bit critical about what you were doing. So <laughs> let, let's hear your version of it first.
2: It's good to be critical. Uh, there's, I have no problem with it, uh, people who it's critical. But then we just have to figure out, uh, is that assumption or is it a reality? Uh, is it fact or is it just an assumption? Anyway, um, I, I, I started uh, The Alternative uh, back in 2013, and I have to say that I'm not uh, a member anymore. Uh, actually, I really like the party uh, uh, in the face they are right now, but there was some really a, a period with a lot of conflicts and troubles. internal problems that uh, at the end uh, had the consequence that I left the party, even if I'm the founder. So there's for sure a learning in, in that uh, as well. And I could write a whole book about it, but but that's- I feel uh, they need a, you
0: need a chaos pilot or something, but I uh, guess yeah, exactly. you're not-
2: yeah yeah anyway but yeah we all have dramas and uh, personal dramas that we all take our dramas with us into the organization we're part of and we're just human beings and we make mistakes etc and we just have to learn from it Uh, i'm quite cool about that anyway um to understand uh, why i I, uh, created the alternative I have to tell you that uh, at that time in 2013, I have just stepped down as Minister of Culture and had really, in the hard way, learned how politics works when it's most dark. Um, as I said in the beginning of this interview, I've been a publicly elected position for for nearly 20 years, at local level and national level, so. And I've had nearly all the uh, roles and tasks you can imagine as a politician. And uh, normally when I describe, uh, especially uh, politics on a national level, as a member of the parliament, uh, it it really has a light side, but it also has a dark side. Uh, On a good day, I could uh, tell all the good stuff about being a public elected person on a bad day, I could really tell this is the most toxic environment you can imagine. And um, it was a very toxic uh, environment uh, uh, for me uh, during uh, my time uh, uh, as a minister for culture. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, I decided to step down and really was in doubt uh, if I should uh, stay in politics uh but decided uh, that actually that the stuff uh, the conflicts i went through uh as minister for culture a big huge uh public drama and media drama uh, it, in a way it was life wanted to train me
1: uh, to something better uh, and um, I just had to, my conclusion
2: uh, after going through this m- big media drama was that it can't be true that politics are so dark as it is. Uh, and uh, something that should be maybe the most interesting arena of all, uh, where you talk about how to create the best society and uh how to develop our society? How 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 to work together, et cetera, et cetera. it, it, it must be much more inspiring and interesting than, than the voice version, version we have today. And uh, uh, so so parallel with all that kind of a reflection, uh, I also had a lot of thoughts about. What, what is the biggest challenging we are facing as a society? And out of this discussion with myself and with, with people around me, I, I identified three major challenges that uh, if you should create a new political party or platform, as we called it, we have to come up with good answers on tr- these three specific challenges and the the first and foremost was, of course, the climate collapse, uh, climate crisis. Uh, the second was what I call the uh, empathy crisis that uh, our, our uh, capability to, to feel the other and to understand the other. Was uh, weakened enormously uh, through, during the, these uh, years, and uh, in in a in a in a way, I I, I saw that uh, part of the empathy crisis was also a, a crisis of meaning. Uh, so, climate crisis, empathy crisis, and the last thing uh, crisis was a system crisis uh, that the way we have organized our society didn't fit with where the world was heading. Um, so, I said I will try to see if there's an echo out there uh, uh, in Denmark. And they presented uh, the alternative in November 2013 uh, at a press meeting uh, in the parliament. And uh, what was a big surprise for most uh, journalists at that time and also political colleagues was that we didn't came out in the beginning with a, a, a fully described uh, political program. We came out with uh, six distinct uh, values uh, we stood on and, uh, of course, a political manifesto. But uh, the whole idea uh, behind the uh, alternative was that we wanted to invite the citizens into the process of uh, formulating our political program so the next year uh, we organized uh, a lot of different um, events which we call political laboratories around denmark uh, and invited people in to be part of the process to uh, write uh, uh, our political program and that uh, that succeeded in uh, may 2014 where we uh yeah voted for a political program i think it was nearly yeah i can't remember 200 pages it was an enormous program anyway and and then uh, in the election in uh, 2015 uh, we got nearly 50 of uh, all votes in denmark and was uh, maybe the second Uh, third or second biggest uh, party in the major cities. So it it was a big surprise for everyone that uh, we came in with this. As the first party in Denmark who had the climate crisis as number one challenge we had to face. And if we don't uh, handle the climate crisis or other uh, uh, problems, it doesn't matter. Uh, We don't have a planet to live on (laughs) So what else have we
0: Denmark doesn't actually have, I mean, now we do, but we did not have a Green Party, um, Yeah, which is, I guess, a little bit unusual for, for Europe. Um, but, you, but you did go in and, and take that spot, so to say. One thing that, uh, because at some point I did actually uh, read a lot of your uh, political program, because this really, it was a long, you know, it took a while to, to read. And even to get, you know, not read all of it, but as much as I did. So let me put it that way um and one thing that stood out uh uh to me was that um there were a lot of and this is where this is where my critical thing uh comes in so there were there were a lot of of great energy and you could really sense that in the danish public sphere and whenever people were writing about the alternative or people were speaking on behalf of the alternative there was all this energy and there was all this finally somebody can do something about politics and let's do it in a different way um but then, when I read read your party program, uh, I happened to know uh, at least one of the people who were involved in writing uh, the environmental policy, and it was obvious there was somebody who knew what he was writing about. Uh, then there was something about the public schools, and it was obvious that it was somebody who did not know very much about education who had who had written that. So that the quality of the you know the the party program, or at least the the part of the or the school policy that I read about it was very uneven. And, and that was one of my my worries about the alternative. I've also read the other political parties' programs, and I won't say they did a better job. So you're not, I mean, you're not up against hard competition. Um, but I did sense from from what came out of your process, a very uneven and uh, perhaps uh, directionless uh Impetus, uh, core, um, overall results, uh, and, um, mm-hmm. and so I, I wonder what, how, how you, how are you, quality assessing or testing whatever, whatever, what can go into our official program and what has to be left out.
1: One, you, you uh,
2: in, in a way, you, you pinpoint some of the very important. Uh, Problems we had uh, at at the time while I was there, um, because in the contract between uh, both the member base base, but also ordinary citizens citizens who just wanted to be part of these political laboratories, uh, the contract between the political party, us in the parliament, and the people involved uh, in the uh, political laboratories was not clear enough. Uh, because uh, when people came to these lab- laboratories, they thought that uh, that whatever they came up with would end up in the final paper. Uh, and uh, of course, we had all kinds of thoughts about how can we qualify uh, the, the the input. Uh, so we had a very distinct uh, uh, yeah filters, the, uh, quality filters that, that the ideas and uh, suggestions had to go through. But uh, but it it was actually very it it, it was a difficult task both, a task both to invite everyone to get into the process at the same time uh, a secure enough quality level uh, in the outcome and um, yeah there was there was a lot of learning in how how to deal with uh, on a small level we did. The format was like a citizens assembly, and and uh, and the citizens assembly is a well now well used uh, method met, uh, met, uh, around Europe, the European countries, uh, both on city level and national level, and even at European level. But but it takes a lot of resources into how to secure the process, and also to secure the quality uh, of the outcome. And uh, that was some of the issues that was in play here. So, so uh, some of the outcome was really on a very, very high level, and uh, some outcome was not. Uh, still, I think compared to you mentioned the other part, is I think actually our outcome was very good. Anyway, uh, then you can disagree with it, but but I but I think overall the quality was really good, and if. Anyone uh, wants to look into some of the papers that I really think that this is
1: a world-class political uh, work was we did we did a paper
2: called the three bottom line uh, paper about uh, yeah a completely new way of understanding uh, economy and uh, how to measure the development uh, of, of a nation's uh, well-being and the uh, uh, it's on the alternatives website. There's an English version of the paper.
0: Oh, and, we will uh, share the link under the the video. Yeah, so yeah,
2: I, I think I, I think that that, that was an, an extremely inspiring paper to write. It was a tough paper to write, and uh, but uh, but but I'm really proud of it. It it completely set a new standard of of what kind of material can a political party actually produce.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Cool. So when, when other people have started in other countries, uh, alternatives, or in Sweden is called the initiative, uh, have they copied your, your program or your process or both?
2: I think they copied both, but, but again, it's, uh, it's very context uh, dependent uh, how to create a new political party. For example, uh, people could, should also check out uh, Alternative UK. Uh, because uh, they they have done it very differently from from uh, the Danish version, uh, of obvious reasons. Because uh, in, in in UK they have the first past the pole uh, system, so it's very it's extremely difficult for for new parties to yeah to have a chance uh, to get on the ballot. Uh, And to get members into the parliament, for example, the Green Party in in uh, the UK have only one member, parliament member uh, 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 in in the uh, in the English Parliament. And uh, if they had a representative model in the UK, uh, the Green Party in in England would I think they would have twenty members in Parliament, but they have only one. uh, uh, So. So, so depending on what kind of political system you have,
1: uh, it's different version of the alternative model from uh, uh, which we use here in Denmark.
0: So, how much how much contact do you have between the uh, the, the different parties now? Yeah,
2: of course, between... it's uh, again <laughs> the. the, the... As I said with the cash pilot, it's some years since I've been directly involved in it. it's the same case with the Alternative. But, but uh, me personally, uh, I, I have a very good uh, concept uh, with uh, what they're doing in the UK. And um, because what they have done, which has inspired me, is that they're, they're building the platform up from the bottom. So
1: it's really rooted in in, in local communities. Uh, where we here
2: in Denmark started from the top in the parliament and went down. In UK they're starting from the bottom and going up. Uh, and um, I think that the, where they are now in the UK is that the, their basis, ambition is no more, in, no longer to to run for election in the on the national election. What they want to create is actually a global platform uh, and figure out how can we create a global political platform where all these kind of initiatives actually can meet and uh, discuss and uh, involve. Uh, so it's quite fascinating what, what they're doing in the UK right now.
0: I mean, they do also have the language for it. I mean, the rest of us, we have to switch to their language to have this, you know, whatever it is we do here to get it outside the uh, little yeah, box yeah, yeah.
1: of yeah, exactly. 5.6 exactly.
0: million people. So, so we, are, yeah, we yeah. actually do have a very good lab because nobody knows what we're doing if uh, if we just go about it in, uh, in Danish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, true. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I mean, I wrote all these books in Danish where I made my major mistakes. Now I, I hopefully only make smaller mistakes. So... Uh, so, so yeah, um, that's <laughs> it's the petri dish. Um, so you, uh, you, you said you are are leaving politics, or at least parliamentary politics, uh, for now. You never know when politicians, you know, retire, whether they they mean it or they come back. So, what are what are your plans? I mean, there is a whole future lying ahead of us, and we need to do something about it. Do you, you still have? things up your sleeve that you will uh, involve people in? Or do you plan to, I don't know, grow a garden or something?
1: What is special
2: uh, for me right now is that for the first time in the last 40 years, uh, I'm not a leader. I'm not responsible for a collective or a larger organization. Uh, Since I've been 25 years old, I've always been in charge uh, and, uh, for, for a group of people's, uh, work. And, um, so that's a really new place for me to be in that uh, I'm only speaking uh, on behalf of myself. And, uh, and, uh, I so much enjoy it. And I'm really looking forward uh, to be a completely free man, uh, and just be me. Uh, as uh, older citizens <laughs> who can be grumpy and, and Oh, the
0: senior <laughs> citizen now is that where <laughs> yeah, you're yeah.
2: going? I'm just a citizen now, a grumpy old citizens uh, and and uh, what I'm out for right now I don't know uh, I, I wrote my memoirs just a half year ago and that was part of my process to step down from the national scene uh, and secure that when I'm leaving Parliament, uh, I have a totally white, a whiteboard in front of me that uh, I don't know what, uh, what will happen. And uh, it's like a, yeah, it's a fantastic opportunity to maybe I just want to sit in my backyard under my apple tree. Maybe I, I will, I'll make a movie. I don't know. I don't know, uh, and I or don't. A political care. party and an education. No, no. I, I, I don't. I don't want. To, uh, I, I, I'm finished with with political work, uh, work on on that level. I'm not saying that I'm finished with political work as so, because I'm always been a politically engaged person. Uh, but what. Where that would take me from there, I don't know. I've just started to write a new book, which actually came as a surprise for me that uh, I had the energy to start to write again so soon after writing a big memoir. Uh, but uh, And the reason why I started to on this book project was uh, I got a question from an old mentor in the U.S., Uh, Mr. D. Hawk, uh, the founder of VisaCard. And he he gave me a question that I couldn't answer uh, because I was in doubt. And uh, I don't want to go too much into detail with what the question was, but uh, it was, uh, of course, about is there any hope anymore in the world? And normally, I'm a very happy guy and always uh, thinks that uh, we'll find a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. Um,
1: But I couldn't answer him uh, directly on the question. And that threw me out into
2: a lot of doubts about what is happening and what we should do in the situation we are in. And uh, on that energy, I'm writing. Uh So I don't know if it's going to be a very dark book, or I hope, of course, there's a happy ending. But uh, right now, I don't know. Uh, I'm in doubt.
0: It sounds like we should uh, do another conversation. uh You know, some months from now, when you're further into it, <laughs> hopefully, when you when you find the answer, please come back.
2: Exactly, exactly. So in a way, in a way, the book is my answer to the question. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he died two months after he asked me wow. uh, the question. So, of course, the book is dedicated to d and uh, and uh, this is this is my answer to him on the question.
0: Wow! So uh, yeah. I will be looking forward to that definitely. Yeah, and, if, um... if
1: I'm able to write it, it it's a, it, it's a, it's a it's yeah. Yeah, Yeah. right now,
0: I'm in Taos. Oh, wow. Oh, see, you know what? You know what? We tend to forget all the value that the senior citizens can bring to all of us. So now we're like, hey, Ufa Elbeck, uh, you're now one of the wise elders of society. Please, please provide us with some some hope and guidance. So, uh, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Let's see how it goes. Uh, this has been such a pleasure. I'm really happy that you uh, wanted to uh, come here and uh, tell about your, your work and your thoughts behind it and your background. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. I hope you did too.
1: I did, a bit, and thanks uh, for the invitation.